welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 224th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 725th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 26, 2021. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday afternoon with the commitment of four-star guard Jalen hood Shafino. This commitment gives Coach Woodson and the Hoosiers a top-five recruiting class at the moment. Uh, this commitment is more than just a ranking, though. It is a, a one more positive step in getting Indiana back to being a major player in the college hoop scene. The college game is a guard-dominated game. The recruitments of Tamar Bates this year, now Jalen hood Shafino, add C.J. Gunn, and then athletic wing like Caleb Banks, This is these are all great improvements in the roster for your Hoosiers. Uh, these types of commitments also send a signal to other high school players around the nation that they may want to consider Indiana. Indiana is in those starting infant stages of being a place for players around the country to come to once again. Good work, Coach Woodson and staff. Keep it up. Uh, let's go Hoosiers. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co host for tonight. First to my left. You'll have fun, fun, fun. 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 It is Andy Bottoms. And Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? I mean, clearly based on the feedback from Trace and Miller Cop, I believe I was I was ahead of the curve on the the fun train there. So uh, you know, glad to glad glad everyone's joined me. Um, but you know, I, the the big one is obviously the the Jalen Hutchfino commitment, as you said, and that'll be the the bulk of what we talk about tonight. I think it, a good fit, it seems like, for what uh, Woodson wants to do, the kind of player that that he seems to be in in the limited amount of. Uh, of tape that I've been able to watch on him. And so I think he, he gives, uh, as you said, it's a guards game, gives you another really talented guy in the backcourt, obviously unclear kind of how things will shake out with this year with the, you know, people getting the COVID year who will or won't be back. Um, but he gives you a really strong piece to build around as you head into next year. Uh, and the other thing, I know this is on the agenda to talk about a little bit as well. Uh, but for those who didn't see it, um, you know, Jeff Goodman, uh, tweeted out something that a, a tribute that Parker Stewart wrote about his uh, his father who passed away and uh, ultimately you know I get led in in some way to him ending up at IU and just would encourage everybody to read that and and kind of gives you a a real glimpse into you know his, not only his feelings for his father but just as as you started to think about some of the questions that came up after he transferred to IU and people asking whether he would play and and things like that I think. Uh, you can very much tell from this. This is kind of a part of his grieving process. But you, you know, you read some of this and the and the way that he he wrote it and put it together. Just don't think it was probably fair or for for anybody involved for him to really even think about coming on the floor last year. Even though I think he, uh, from an eligibility perspective, could have. Uh, so you know, really cool. And you know, one of the you know, first couple of replies to 
Goodman's tweets came from Brian Walsh and Kenya Hunter. Uh, I imagine others on the staff commented on it as well, but those were the first couple that, that kind of popped up. And uh, Hunter obviously played a big role in him getting to IU. And, uh, you know, his, his tweet referenced something about, about family. And so, uh, well, we're all excited to see Parker Stewart on there. I think it was a, on the floor this year. I think a good, you know, glimpse into, you know, where he's at mentally after the, you know, death of his father and a really, a really touching tribute. So would encourage everybody to check that out. If they haven't, I know some people may have sworn off Jeff Goodman's feed. Uh, perhaps others retweeted it, but uh, <laughs> you found it there. But uh, a, a good read and uh, and seems like a really good young man. A- absolutely. And, and we'll maybe touch upon that a little bit later, too. But it, it is, I will uh, second that, uh, a, a great read. And uh, to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what do you have to rant about this week? You know, we're going to get into Jalen Hood, Chifino, and I know you got you guys both kind of indicated and talked about that. But uh, I'd like to propose that we honor um, Kenya Hunter. I mean, quite frankly, Kenny Hunter's doing a bang-up job. Uh, he brought in both Hood Shafino and Tamar Bates, Parker Stewart, who who Andy just mentioned, and Xavier Johnson wouldn't be here without Kenny Hunter. Kenny Hunter is maybe the most underrated assistant I've seen at my time in Indiana. I know people like him, and I know he's been around, and, and they've talked about him, but he has been huge for Indiana over the past year. And, you know, you've got a, you know, a third of the team that's going to be playing were brought in specifically by him. He's helped out in other recruitments, and then he just got you a five-star point guard. Uh, I think people really need to give him the credit that he deserves and and really understand that he also helped bring keep a lot of this team together when guys were thinking about you know leaving uh, at, during the coaching change. So Kenya Hunter, I think is the guy that needs to the, the, this who should take a victory lap this week. I, I really do think that I think that some other guys, you know, on that staff are working very hard, doing great stuff. Uh, a lot of guys behind the scenes work very hard with this stuff. And I know that, you know, coach Woodson obviously ultimately is responsible for all of these commitments and, and for people coming and staying, but Kenya Hunter deserves a huge hat tip for what he's been doing. That guy has been working overtime. So that that's that's the thing I think that stood out to me the most this week is that Kenya Hunter keeps doing an incredible, incredible job. And I think he's a very important to the future of Indiana basketball. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, here's what we're going to cover this week. Uh, segment one, some Hoosier headlines and some very good ones. Segment two, our in-depth scouting report of Jalen hood Shafino, And then, of course, we'll answer your questions, all of that, this week on Assembly Call Radio. But in case you missed it in last week's uh, Six Banner Sunday or in last week's podcast, we have a new sponsor here on the show, and it's a name that longtime listeners of the Assembly Call will recognize. Ed Fang writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool. Plus, he's a Michigan fan, so he's always current on Big Ten hoops. So because of his hoops analysis, Big Ten connection, and friendship with Jared, Ed has joined our show a handful of times to talk Big Ten hoops in the NCAA tournament. Well, for his day job, Ed is the founder and lead analyst for The Power Rank, which he describes as, quote, sports betting with a Ph.D. edge, end of quote. He specializes in football, both college and the NFL. 
and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having predictive metrics you trust can give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free. And right now he's offered a special bonus when you sign up, uh, his report on the NFL quarterbacks who will be a fade in 2021. All you have to do is sign up for Ed's newsletter. To do so, go to thepowerrank.com backslash AC. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. Uh, we've recommended Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we appreciate him supporting our work with his sponsorship. Ed is a good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something always easy to find in his industry. So if sports betting is your thing, make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter, thepowerrank.com backslash AC. All right, on to uh, some Hoosier headlines. We've already hit the Jalen hood Shafino uh, commitment. We're going to talk about that in, in our second segment, our main segment. Also, four-star forward uh, Noah, Noah Clowney visiting Indiana this weekend, uh, number 70 on uh, uh, 247 Sports Composite. He's uh, also being recruited by South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Xavier, and Clemson. Uh, Parker Stewart's tribute to his dad. Uh, go find that, as Andy mentioned uh, in his opening. Just uh, just some powerful words, and, and it just opens up uh, what that young man has been uh, going through. Uh, Hoosier Hysteria set for Saturday, October 2nd. Put that on your calendar. Uh, I, and then IU strikes a deal with Brandar, B-R-A-N-D-R. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Brandar Group for group licensing opportunities that allow uh, athletes at Indiana to be able to participate in NIL nil deals that utilize the indiana logo um such as you know jerseys and posters and playing cards and things of that nature uh if the players opt in uh, brandar will be doing the negotiating on on all of uh, that and it could pave the way for uh, future college sports video games which need to come back uh as yes even, even as an yes. old man uh i learned a lot about the the football roster trying to put uh, names to to players and now that'll just be there so um that that's that's a good thing so uh gentlemen i'm gonna send this to ryan i've seen uh hood shafino be a five star and i've also seen commentary where he's a four star is he right on that edge in the mid-20s he is okay yeah he's he's right around i think on the composite he's 24th and usually it's between 20 and 25 five stars every year okay. it really depends on the year um it's a little in flux because you know uh imani bates just got added to the to 2021 so that kind of changes the 2022 class they uh, and duran jalen duran also you right know, just reclassified of course they're both going to memphis um but i think that it, it is He's sort of he's right on that edge. Yeah. I would call him a five star because I think he's in that range. Um, he's not a top five guy who who looks like you know he's there for he's going to be on campus for eight months. You know I, I don't think he's that guy, but he's I, I believe he's a five star. I think he's right on that edge, and I think by the end of it, this year he may be uh, even a little higher than he's currently ranked. Andy, anything on those headlines? Uh, you've already mentioned the Parker uh, Stewart tribute. Um, anything else uh, grab your attention? I'd be curious to see the Noah Clowney uh, visit. What, if anything, comes of that? I use getting some good momentum on the recruiting trail. Uh, seems to be another you know high upside guy, ranked seventieth, uh, I think, in the the two four seven composite. So, um, you know, just is, is it another opportunity to get that going? That obviously leads to some you know roster management questions or or, or things like that, which uh, I think we might have might have some questions about later. But uh, just kind of see if they can keep that momentum going with him and the licensing thing i haven't been able to read too much about it quite yet but uh i know when when connor from homefield was on with 
uh, with Scott on Crimson Cast. They had talked a little bit about the Taiwan Mullen shirt and some of the process behind that and, and how specifically they weren't able to use you know, the IU logo and really had to, you know, there was no doubt who it was or or anything like that, but um, potentially opens up some other things there. I don't know how the money gets divvied out in some of those kinds of scenarios, but, uh, but interesting there and maybe opens up some other avenues uh, as guys are looking to do shirts or other, uh, or other things like that. So kind of curious to see where that goes as that continues to evolve. Hey, one thing about Clowney, I, I think that people are underestimating a little bit how important his recruitment is. Um, Indiana does not have a big, a quote unquote, big guy in this class. And he would be more of a big guy than say Caleb Banks, Caleb Banks right now. If you go back and watch my scouting report on him, I think he's a post guy right now. I don't think that's where they want to play him. I think they want him to be more of a, you know, sort of, uh, OG and kind of out on the wing, but you're tall enough to help out in the post guy. Whereas Clowney is more of a six, nine post who can step out. You know, and they don't have one of those guys with CJ Gunn, Hood Shafino, and Caleb Banks. They need a bigger guy for some depth. And uh, I think it's very important that they land him. Uh, obviously, he's from South Carolina and, and Clemson's on him right now. That's the hometown favorite. I, I don't know where he's leaning, but this visit I think is pretty big because I think Indiana needs to find a big guy for the future just to be able to say, hey, we've got a plan in place to develop some, some post action heading down the road. And, and what might be shocking, breaking news for the Assembly Call listeners, the chat mob, uh, I'm officially announcing that I will be attending uh, Hoosier Hysteria, uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, things to go see. Um, uh, but I, I'm, anytime I get a chance to get eyes on, <laughs> thank you, eyes on uh, Coach Woodson coaching and seeing what things are going on and a lot of new players, I, I can't pass that up a chance to see it live. And I think – uh, they'll they'll put it later in the afternoon because there is a IU football game on that Saturday. So uh, I will be down there to to uh, watch uh, at some location the IU football game and then find my way over uh, to Assembly Hall. Uh, so uh, chat mobbers in the area that are also planning to do so, get a hold of me and uh, we'll plan a uh, impromptu meetup. Um, so uh, to sit around and, and and watch some football and then maybe go together and sit and. In, in the same section um, in Hoosier Hysteria. So anything else, gentlemen, on these uh, Hoosier, Hoosier highlights? Uh, no, I just wanted to call out uh, Brian in the chat. said, when you hear someone booing the dunk contest, you'll know who it is. So <laughs> Yes, we will. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, will. that's when I go get popcorn. Run line drills. Run line drills. That's right. Put them on the end line. Three-man weave. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Three down, two back. Three down, two back. Let's go. <laughs> that's right. All right, coming up on uh, Assembly Call Radio, it's time for Ryan's patented in-depth scouting report on Jalen hood Shafino. What does he like most about his game? What are the question marks? Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. 
but Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. This is Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Welcome back to the assembly call. Well, Ethan, we really don't give a crap because we're really having a good summer. Sorry. So, you know, Ethan, if you do want to keep up with all the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball, it, and it's crazy, and it's been crazy during this offseason, it'll get crazier here in November, we've got your back. Uh, we send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU uh, fans are on the list, and we want you to be on there too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free right now that's join.assemblycall.com you can also text iu to 66866 that's iu to 66866 okay i'm the coach brian tonsoni here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips and now it's time for uh our all-star scouting report uh, on jaled hood shafino ryan uh, you're just summary overall thoughts uh, of the most recent indiana hoosier uh, commit well, I like him a lot. Uh, I, you know, a lot of times there, uh, these are, hey, this guy does this well. Here's a caveat: his development's going to be very important. Jalen Hood Shafino is a fantastic package right now for Indiana. He's still got a year until he's going to hit campus. Uh, he's, uh, for those who don't know, he's a he's listed as a combo guard. I think he's more of a point guard out of Montverde Academy, which is a basketball factory. So if you're playing there, you know you're getting a pretty good player. He's a five. He's on that. We talked about it earlier. He's kind of that border of a five-star, four-star, high, high four-star or a five-star. I like him as a five-star. I think he is. Number 24 currently on the 24-7 sports composite. I see him possibly moving up a couple spots as this year goes on. I think he's getting better. Uh, he's listed at 6'5", 210. Some places 6'4", but in the 6'5", 210 range, I think he's every bit of that. He's not one of these guys where they are fudging his his height and weight. I, I think he's built. I think he's got a great frame on him already. Um, I, the first thing that stood out to me is he's not uh, – he he's he's a point guard, I think, as I said, instead of a combo guard. But he's not a dominant, like a, a an ultimate pass first guy. But he does look to create for others first before looking for his own offense. He's a guy who's going to come down and try and make something happen more than he's going to be a guy that's going to come down and try and score. Um, but he can score when there's when there's room there. When he reads the floor and sees, you know, that it's an advantageous situation, he's going to attack. So I love that about his game that he's considering the whole floor, not just his own route to the basket. So that was the the big thing that stood out to me is that when he has the ball in his hands, he's going to make something happen uh, positive, whether it's for him or somebody else, he's going to work and make something happen. Yeah. You touched a little bit on the first thing that I was going to talk about, which is positioning. I thought it was, maybe it was just what I watched, but, certainly struck me more as a point guard than a combo guard as they as they talked about there um but you know do you, i guess what led you i know you talked about the the pass first piece but you know kind of what leads you to believe he can be a point guard at the big 10 level since i, I guess i take the combo guard designation from others to, to mean maybe there's some skepticism there well i the thing that really again stood out to me wasn't just his i i didn't mention the opening but not just his playmaking skills he's excellent with the ball 
He's he's got great control of the ball at all times. He doesn't turn the ball over. Makes great decisions. I got a few full games uh, worth of game tape from from a friend who covers the AAU circuit, and he doesn't turn the ball over. And he's just smart with it. And he can run an offense. and And look, these days you can have multiple point guards on the floor. You know, so so if he's playing, maybe not bringing the ball up, but he's helping control the offense. I think it'll be a, you know a similar situation. Um, he's not what what I like about him is he's not just a pure scorer at the high school level. He's not just coming in and looking for his own offense, which a lot of these guys do on these AAU circuits to try and distinguish themselves. He's trying to win games and he's trying to make the best play for his team every time down in the offense. That's what I loved about him so much is he is he makes other people better with his decision making. So we, we talked before we uh, went on air about the one word is toughness. Uh, sh- share, share with us some of the things that you have seen that, that make you say that this kid is just tough. Yeah, he is. That's, the, that's maybe the big word I came away with. I texted you guys watching film on him. He, he is a tough kid. He finishes through contact already. I mean, he, he, he seems to relish it. He seeks it out as he drives in, and he powers through it and finds ways to, to score when he gets bumped off his lane, uh, heading, to the, heading to the hoop. I, we talk about athleticism a lot with, with high school players and, and how you, know, you develop it, it. You can develop it more at the next level, at the, at the college level. They can unlock athleticism. And, and that the other thing we say about him is every high school kid needs to get stronger. Well, he needs to get stronger, but he's already really strong and has a great frame and is built for a high schooler. He is impressively built. And he's, he's just he's not deterred by contact, which is very rare in high school, especially for a guard. I think post players can, you know, they're used to getting to playing through contact. Uh, but as a guard, who's going to control the ball, he doesn't get bumped off his dribble. He doesn't get bumped off his spot when he's cutting. And then the other thing is when he finishes, he finishes through people. He finishes. If he gets bumped and hit hard, he's going to find a way to put the ball in the hoop. And, and that stood out to me more than anything. This is a tough, tough dude, not a, you know, fancy AAU guy who's, who's out there trying to cross people over and fire threes. He is going to, he's going to make you feel him when he drives in. So w- it, it's required that anytime a guy commits to IU, we have to figure out whether he can shoot or not after the last, uh, after the last few years. So the requisite, uh, question is, is what's the, what's the prognosis from the shot doctor on his, uh, long range shot at least. Well, I'll start with the mid range and because, because it relates to the long range. He loves a mid range jumper. This kid will attack the free throw line and pull up. He'll attack, you know, a couple feet to the left or right of the free throw line and, and pull up. And he's a guy and coach will kind of understand what I'm talking about here. He puts the ball on the inside of the rim more than he hits nothing but net. Like he is just getting the ball, you know, on, on the favorable side of the rim and, and getting it in. He is not a sharp shooter. You know, the, the, he's not a Jordy Halls who's standing out there knitting nothing but net. Uh, which you know is great if you're a scorer. It's 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 more of a scorer's mentality than a shooter's mentality. I I like him the way his shot form is in pull up. I think when he moves out to the three point line, uh, his shot form is decent, good ball release, good rotation. But I do think it it doesn't go in as much as it should. And I think it's going to be a repetition thing for him. I think that this looks like a guy who maybe got a little strong, got a little taller than he was used to, and it kind of threw off his long-range shot form. I think it's going to take repetition, refinement, practice. He doesn't have bad shot form, though. Uh, He's just not right now. He's not a knockdown three-point shooter. 
And I know we've heard that about guys in the past going to Indiana and we're just kind of like, oh, no, but he's not bad. It's not ugly. It's not Christian Lander where he's completely off balance and, and off kilter shooting the ball. It's not that the ball just isn't going in the net as much as it should. And I think that, again, that's just going to be practice refinement and, and everything. But I do think that the positive thing is he hits mid-range shots. So all he has to do is 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 take that and start extending his range. And, and I think that that will be, you know, a positive, uh, an easy positive development for um, for IU to work with moving forward with him. Okay, then the key question for for me is how does he guard? He's you're gonna love him, Coach. You're gonna love <laughs> right. him. Uh, his length and size really helps him defensively. I can I they, people talk about him being able to guard one through four. I think one through three really legitimately, especially at the next level in high school, he can probably guard fours and fives and whatever he wants at six five. Um, but he, the thing I love about him is he's not an elite athlete. He's not an elite leaper. He's not you know. Uh, you know, the fastest guy on the floor. He's quick, but he's not the fastest guy on the floor. What he's great at is going side to side. His lateral quickness is excellent, and that's what helps him defensively. Uh, he's quick with his feet. He has the building blocks to be an outstanding defender, and his size alone will wear on point guards. At 6'5", 210, you got to imagine he's going to put on weight in college and maybe even grow a little bit. He's going to be able to wear down opposing point guards. He can pick up guys full court. He does that on film a number of times and sticks with them. I mean, he has them in his hip pocket. He's right there. Um, I, I think that he is going to be able to impose himself on opposing point guards and be quick, stay with them and also outsize them. So this is the, this is a guy who can be an excellent, excellent defender. And I already think the instincts are there. As I've said, is high basketball IQ, the way he distributes on offense that translates to defense too. He knows it. I think he's not as good off the ball right now from what I saw, but he hasn't had to be in high school because he's playing with such talented players that he really only has to worry about his guy and let everybody else worry about theirs. I mean, that he's playing on an absolutely loaded high school team uh, and program. So I, I would say I just think that he'll need some time, again, working in a set defense, working in help side and things like that, and just getting better off the ball. But right now as an on-the-ball defender, I love him. I think he has incredible upside as a defender. Off the ball, would you, would you agree? I thought he had a knack for the ball. And that might he be that, that that he could play off someone you know, in high school, even though he was at a high level of high school play. But I saw him a lot of times just make reads where the ball was going to go yeah. or, or a loose ball, and he stuck his nose in there and got off it to the break. Uh, and that's, yes. that's basketball. That's defensive intelligence. Yes, it's got to be set defense at the college level. He's got to add to it. But there's sometimes you can't coach that where guys just the find instincts. those loose ball. You know, the loose yeah, there's ball. A, there's an in, there's an instinct to him. I think he has it on rebounding too. I mean, he's not going to be an ace rebounder um, because that's just not what he does. But I think that he has a knack for knowing where the ball is going to wind up and and, and go find it. Uh, defensively, I agree. It's the same thing where sort of he'll hunt the ball a little bit. That can get you into trouble right. if you hunt it too much, and it, and it's a fine line to walk. But you are correct; he has some instincts for going to find the ball. Um, again, I think that developmentally, this is the big thing for him moving forward is going to be dedicating himself to that end. And I think he's because I think that it's the kind of thing where if he focuses, he, he can become an all conference defender. I mean, like easily, uh, especially given again his size and his lateral quickness. I think that comes easy. So as you kind of project forward, obviously we don't know roster-wise what opportunities there will be, but you know what, what kind of role 
you know, based on either your best educated guess of, of who will be around and who won't, but what kind of role do you see him taking as a freshman? And, you know, he's not, as you mentioned before, one of those, you know, top five guys who, you know, is only going to be there for one year. Yeah. So, you know, what does his role look like in year one? And, and maybe what is that trajectory based on what you see so far for, for what he'd be over the course of, you know, two, three, however many years he might end up being at IU? Again, it, it depends on on who comes back. You're right. But, I mean, I would not be shocked if a couple guys leave, he's the starting point guard next year. I really wouldn't be, just to get him on the floor. Now, if he's not starting, he's going to be very quickly off the bench. And he can, and especially it would help if they had guys who can move off the ball then, maybe like a starter caliber guy who can bring the ball up with the first unit and then with the second unit move off the ball and, and be more and take more of a scorer's mentality. Um, sort of like we were hoping last year would happen with Christian Lander and Rob Finnessy, that Lander would, would take a huge role and, and Finnessy could then move off the ball and focus on, you know, trying to score. Um, obviously <laughs> that didn't work out. Um, but I, I think that this is a kid who it depends on how long he sticks around. He's polished already, but he's going to get better. Uh, he just needs to really iron out the shooting aspect. And depending on how long he stays, this is an all Big Ten guy with with an all American upside. I, I absolutely think so. If he's a three year guy, he's an all American. I think uh, he can live up to that. Um, but you know, this is a guy with with skills, modern basketball skills. Again, not a dead eye three point shooter, but his shooting is not a disaster. It's just something that he needs to do more of. Um, but I really, really think that. This is a guy who, if he sticks with the program and develops the way he's supposed to, we're talking about him as one of the better players, you know, in the Big Ten shortly. So how does how does his game I think everybody immediately kind of spins this forward to I know, where you know him and Tamar Bates yeah. and uh and those kinds of things. So how does he complement at least you know, seen two exhibition games essentially of, of Tamar Bates. So take that for what it's worth. But how do you feel like he, they kind of complement one, one another or do they complement one another? Well, Andy, I've got it written right here. Uh, I think he's a great complement to Tamar Bates and a guy who can table set for Tamar Bates as more of a, as more of a guy with a scores mentality Bates is. I think that this is the kind of thing where these guys pair really well together and, and, and it can be sort of that Batman and Robin kind of thing or, Batman and Batman, quite frankly, because I think they're both that good. Um, I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they play off of each other. But I, I really do think that these two guys can complement each other's games, raise each other's games to another level, and really work as a as a one-two punch in the backcourt. Um, you know, again, you, you look at Tamar Bates, and he's more of a shooting guard. He's more of a pure off guard who needs to work on a shooting, obviously, you know, at the next level, I think all kids who come into college, very few of them are knocked down elite three point shooters. You have guys who have the talent to do it and are, you know, good. I think Bates is more of a pure scorer. And I think that then you put Hood, Hood Shafino in there, who's a real point guard who can score, but creates for others and can make his own way. I really think that you put those two together and you might have the best backcourt in the big 10. That's how good they are. And 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 really put those guys together, let them develop together. I, that's why I think he starts next year, because I think Bates starts next year. Uh, not this coming year, obviously. Who's your fans? I'm talking 2022. I think Bates starts next year, and I think it's it's one of those things where you put your two most talented guys out there at, at that position, at those positions, and you just let them sort of develop that, that partnership. So we've talked, I've talked a lot about closer, and and, and... – we have in, uh, I think Parker Stewart can do a little bit of that. Tamar Bates sure showed in the Bahamas that, that he's not afraid to go and, and, and get buckets. 
does Shafino, Hood Shafino, possibly grow into that role where it's, you know, he can do some stuff late shot clock and, and when it's yes. crunch time, put the ball in his hand and, you know, like you say, he's not a great shooter, but he can score and he takes contact. That That is a kind of closer that Indiana has not had. And it seems like we might have a couple now. Can he fit that either early in his career or does he have to develop into that? Uh, we'll we'll see how he handles contact at, at the Big Ten level. I mean, obviously, that's always a transition. I'm impressed with how dominant he is when he bully, he bullies his way to the rim sometimes. And not in an offensive foul way, but in a, I, I'm this big and I have this momentum and you're not going to stop me physically from getting to the rim. And he's also an excellent finisher. I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned that, but his ability to finish through contact is impressive. But his ability to finish through contact and find ways to put the ball in the hoop are, are what are really impressive. And he's an excellent, excellent finisher. He'll go, he'll go under the rim and throw, you know, spin one off the top of the backboard. He'll, you know, go in backwards and flick it in over his shoulder. He's a guy that's clearly practiced that finish around the rim and all those, those weird angled techniques or whatever. Um, as far as being able to go get a bucket late, I, I don't see why not. I mean, it shows up repeatedly on film that when he has a crease, he'll go get it and he can create his own crease with his dribble. I, the thing that I love about him, though, is that he doesn't have to do that by himself late clock or, or for himself late clock. His drive alone to get in will open things for other people, and he's got the vision to go find those people if his lane closes down. So he's not going in and forcing something to three people, you know, within three people. He's got the ability to go in, have those three people draw to him and be able to find the right option to you know get out of it of course there's one second left on the clock you don't have that pass available he's going to be able to put up a shot and at least have a chance to finish it but the real goal is to get the best shot available and he's the kind of guy who can find that best shot available and and to wrap up this segment uh explain uh to to all of us the importance of getting people from img and mount verde yes there's good basketball all across the country including in the state of indiana and i'm a coach here in the state of indiana it's really tough and great coaches but that's another level uh of of play that when you get guys from there they're even more ready than the guys we see here that come out of the lafayettes or the bloomingtons or the indianapolis areas that we like and they'll be good ball players but the mount verde and the img um is a whole nother league. Yeah. The, so a lot of the kids that play in, let's say Indiana high school basketball play really tough schedules in AAU. They play really tough teams, really talented guys. Then they go back to the high school level and it's not a relaxed situation. It's not like they're just, they're just mailing it in, but the competition isn't as consistently good. You go to IMG or Montverde or Oak Hill or one of the, you know, one of those famous uh, basketball Academy type places or sports Academy type places and you are consistently playing the top competition in the country and you are forced to keep your game at a certain level. Not only that, but your own practices are much more difficult than some people's games across the country because there's so much talent on your team. So the 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 gap that those people have to bridge to the college level is much, much narrower yeah. than it is for, say, somebody who plays it. Lafayette High School or wherever, you know, Bloomington South. It's just a narrower gap. They adjust better. I mean, you saw Tamar Bates in his first college action, you know, showing up in the Bahamas and going for 13 points and not looking scared against a professional European team and professional players because, 
quite frankly, he's faced guys who are going to be better than those guys he's playing. And so I, I just think that it, it leads to guys not being afraid when they go to the next level. And it's natural as a freshman to struggle, you know, and battle and have to fight to get better and better and better. But these guys who go to these top level schools know what they are in for at the next level because they practice against it and play against it every day. If you're at a regular high school in Indiana, you might have one or two other guys who wind up playing college basketball and rarely are those guys playing in the big 10. So that's the difference. And that's why Indiana hitting these schools is important. I know we all want to have a roster full of guys from the state of Indiana, but going and getting these guys who, you know, are going to step on a college campus and not be afraid to go up against the competition that you're facing every, every night in the big 10, that's enormous, and and it really changes uh, the ceiling on your team because these guys are ready to go when they step on campus. Absolutely. Jalen hood Shafino is coming to Indiana. That's good news. Uh, we'll see him in, in uh, the Cream and Crimson in a year. So coming up uh, in our third segment, we'll do some subscriber shout-outs, answer your basketball questions. Uh, plus, we don't have a mediocre question, but we do have a mediocre shout-out for Jay Horry. So stick around with us here on The Assembly Call. I'm Brenda Connor, identity theft victim. No, I'm Brenda Connor. Too bad it's hard to tell which Brenda is real. That's what you think. I've got LifeLock to monitor my info and alert me to potential identity threats. And if I become a victim, they help fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help protect what's mine. How about that, Brenda? Thought so. Join LifeLock by Norton and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back uh, to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach Brian Tonsoni here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and it's segment three, which can only mean uh, one thing. Our first subscriber shout-out goes to John Ringer from Fort Wayne, Indiana. John's favorite IU player of all time is Victor Aladipo, and his assembly call leader is Jared, who he says, quote, has a velvety smooth voice like Jim Nance. John also says, uh, hope springs eternal. Can't wait for this upcoming season. Go IU. Indeed. Thank you, John. Uh, our next subscriber shout-out goes to Brian Hall from Lafayette, Indiana. Brian's favorite Hoosier of all time is the incomparable Kelbert Cheney, the owner of the Big Ten all-time career scoring record with 2,613 points and easily the greatest Hoosier to, to never hang a banner, even though he almost surely would have if Ted Valentine didn't suck at his job or if Alan Henderson hadn't gotten injured. That's me not reading this before 
Uh, we're live. Uh, Brian's assembly call leader is Coach. Thank you. Uh, not only because his first name is spelled correctly with an I instead of a Y, but because he is a teacher in Purdue territory like myself. Very tough to do. I, I relate when the bell rings during the recording of an emergency podcast and Coach has to get off and let the kids uh, in the room. For a special acknowledgement, Brian said, I've been a fan of IU basketball ever since I can remember. My oldest sister was at the game where Cheney set the Big Ten scoring record. I was at the senior night when Coach Knight said his comments about being buried upside down so critics can kiss uh, you know where. Um, uh, very nicely said. I just said that they could kiss his ass. But I, uh, he also stormed the court when Kirk Haston uh, hit the buzzer beater to beat uh, number one MSU. And he watched IU beat Duke in the Sweet 16 from Kilroy Sports uh, on my girlfriend, now wife's 22nd birthday. It has been depressing watching IU sink lower and lower the past few years, but listening to the assembly call puts it into perspective and looking forward to a bright future for the Hoosiers. Thank you out to both John and Brian. Um, okay, now it's time for uh, the rest of our questions. All questions came submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community and we have uh we don't have a mediocre question but we do have a mediocre shout out uh congrats to jay uh hori for taking uh, a new position he is now the chief compliance uh officer uh position at uh, a four billion investment firm from uh winthrop uh here in, in indianapolis area so that's a, a pretty good move uh for for him jay uh hope you still have time to be mediocre with us uh in your new gig but congratulations so um let, let's go to uh the questions we're going to start uh first uh this was in the community as a, a post and then to repost it again kathy amos who is going to be at the iowa game with her and her husband are are going to meet up with us looking forward to that but she talked about uh this overtime elite uh which is a a, a, pr a private league based in atlanta i believe um and, and what what is the impact of of groups like this, uh, you had the G League team, and now you have this overtime elite where they're going to uh, sign contracts with high school kids, I believe, uh, and they will forego going to college in, in order to get them ready uh, for the NBA. Um, who, who wants to take a shot at uh, what kind of impact, uh, we'll go to Andy, that you believe this will have on the college game? I, I really think with NIL it'll be – even more negligible than it kind of was before. I think there's a you know a certain number of you know, in, unless the number of players who go that route gets to be substantial, then I just don't you know losing four or five kids a year to stuff like that doesn't really alter uh, the the college game all that much. And and more than that, now I think this came up with some of the Imani Bates stuff with Memphis Memphis that they could basically come in from an NIL perspective and they're going to be able to to match if not better the money that they would make because that's really the the argument for it i'm not you know there's a competition argument i guess to be made but some of these i think they struggle to find other you know teams to play and some of that still remains to be seen like what that part of it looks like so um i think the nil helps it combat the monetary aspect of it and and really feels like it should be minimal unless something really changes based on what we've seen so far i mean some of these have existed and you're losing I think five or fewer guys to him uh, at this point. So I don't think it's a huge, uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge drain on college basketball. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, a lot of people said that the G league route wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, and then two top recruits, two, two guys who were drafted in the, in the top seven played for the G league ignite last year. 
and both came into summer league looking like professional basketball players because guess what? For a year, they were professional basketball players. Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga both looked fantastic in summer league. And I think that the question isn't going to be about the money because now you can make the money at the college level. The question is going to be coming out of high school, do you want to go play professional basketball? and make you know a comparable amount of money to what you could make at say Duke or or one of these schools. Um <clears throat> I will say Jalen Green is going to be the poster boy for going to the G League because he looked like a high schooler in high school, a really good high schooler, probably could have been a fantastic one year college basketball player. Instead he went to the G League, got to play full time college basketball, not go to class, get paid, and essentially compete against professionals for a year. And then he got drafted number two overall and went into the summer league and was the best player in the summer league. And it's, you know, that development curve is what I think is going to be attractive to kids more than, and their agents and whoever is advising them more than the money specifically. Now, do I think that there will still be guys who opt to go to college because of the exposure you're going to get from college basketball and the money you can make? Yeah. But you're playing 40 games again against lower level competition. It could make your transition to the NBA a little bit harder than if you go play professional basketball. So, again, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We don't know. We're in uncharted territory. Um, it, kids could start to decide, hey, I can make more basketball, more money playing basketball for a year at Duke than I can playing in the G League, you know, because of how large a platform I'll have there. Uh, or Indiana or any of these big, you know, college programs. So, again, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It, it's it's definitely um, new territory, uh, and uh, everyone's just kind of feeling their way through it. Yeah, one of the questions was, too, they're signing some younger kids, too. It's not just uh, kids that are going yep. to college, some high school kids, and I don't know if they have to complete their enough credits and graduate early in order to go or if there's a component for this OTE to, to have them complete their classes, you know, virtually or, or whatever um that that's that's a, that's an issue that i'm not too versed on uh to yeah. talk about but it did seem like they were going after some juniors and seniors in high school yeah i think they're trying to get ahead of the curve honestly with that and just you know not be approaching guys as they're already committed to colleges which is what g, g league essentially sold guys who were committed to you know hey Back out of your commitment, mm -hmm. come play professional, you know. Um, but I do think that the the overseas route, you know, playing in Australia, places like that, um, has has been appealing to some guys who could have gone to college because, again, you're playing professional basketball. You're treated like a professional. You're living like a professional, something you can't get in college where you have yeah. to go to class and have minders and all of that stuff. Someone in the chat mentioned that, that they do think they can complete their high school coursework uh, with in, at these leagues. They've hired people to come in and make sure if if you're you have some credits to get. Um, and again, so you're 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 17 sure. years old and get a $600,000 contract to finish high school and play basketball. It'll be interesting to see if 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 people go that avenue. Well, and European soccer academies have been doing that forever. Right. They'll sign a 13 year old right. and have right. him finish his his require you know his schooling uh, while they then go play. So. All right, next question right to, to you, Ryan. Uh, imagine Race um, has a breakout shooting game. He goes six for eight on three-pointers, 12 rebounds. Which game would you want that to happen in? Purdue, of course. Come on. I mean, let's, let's be real. But it's uh, And if I can guarantee a win against Purdue, I'll take it. Um, you know, Purdue, maybe Michigan, one of the big, you know, teams there but but of course you want to do it against purdue you want to do it against your rival and and make a statement in in woodson's first year first purdue game yep 
Andy, any game uh, pop to mind that you'd want Race to to have his coming out uh, three point shooting game? There's a part of you that wants it to happen pretty early in the season. That way, you know that everybody's got to account for that. In the, uh, That's a good point. I don't That's know a good that point. it needs to be against Eastern Michigan in the opener. But My associate makes an, an excellent point. It would be, uh, yeah, it would be good to set the tone there and be like, man, this guy, uh, we got to come out and guard this guy for sure. But I think from a which game it would help you win, uh, I think I would agree with Ryan on that part. Uh, I I can't disagree with Purdue, but your other choice there, Michigan, is one because I think they're going to be really good or or have it against uh, one of the toughest uh, teams on the schedule to to help you uh, win one of those games. Uh, that was from Elbows In, by the way, and he also Elbows In also has a second question: Does the backcourt of Bates uh, and, and Hood Shafino have the same ceiling as the backcourt of Hulls and Aladipo? Um, which which of I mean, those they're just, they're just they're just very different. Uh, I, you know, I mean, of course they have the same ceiling. They're, they're, they're elite recruits. I, I, but they're just very different backcourts. I mean, Jordy was a, was a point guard, but he wasn't really the point guard. I think, I think Yogi Ferrell was more of the point guard. So, um, he kind of played point, but it's, they're just very, it's hard to compare those two. It's very different, but yes, they have great upside. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. Andy, uh, thoughts on, uh, which combo has the higher ceiling? Uh, I mean, I guess I guess it figures what you what you what you define the ceiling as. If it's ceiling for the team, I guess we kind of know what it ended up being for Holes and Oladipo. So you know, it's it's exciting to look at the you know shiny new thing as you uh, as you go through that and versus the other two where you you kind of knew what that ceiling really was. Um, so yeah, it's you know, do I think either of of Bates or uh, or Hood Shafino will be a you know top five first round draft pick in the NBA. N- no, um, but you know that's only one of the the Oladipo and, and Holes group that that can claim that. So uh, I agree with Ryan. Kind of kind of difficult to answer. I think uh, without seeing either guy play a, a game for a, a real game for IU, I, I don't I don't know that I would be able to give a very good answer for that one. Yeah, it's hard, too, because the long, longevity of Hulls and Aladipo, they, they were around for a while, and Aladipo developed, uh, didn't come in very heralded, and then left, you know, a top-five draft pick. Um, you know, and, and Hulls just got everything out of his ability, still playing, still shooting, and one of Indiana's all-time favorites. Um, I think Bates and, and Hood Shafino come in to college uh, – with a little more, you know, more accolades yeah. and, and maybe more yeah, college the ready. recruiting pedigree is yeah, higher. Yeah, they're more college ready, which means if they make the same jump and bring the same winning to Indiana, that they, they, they ultimately might uh, uh, take that one. All right, Phil Davis asked this. With IU being three scholarships over the limit on paper for next year, uh, who do you think will go pro or transfer to clear out roster spots? Also, do you think this will be a regular occurrence in the new transfer crazy world of college basketball? I think he means with having 15-16. I'll start that out, and anyone can chime in after me. That stuff usually works its way out. It um, always does. You know, th- there have been players who have already played there five years, uh, which is a normal you get that fifth year if you had an injury or something uh, that may want to start their 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 next chapter, whether it be a professional, uh, you know, position or or whatever. I, I I usually don't like to just name names, but you just look at the six juniors, um, and, and we have a, a potential pro in Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, any of those can say, you know, I've been here four years or more. 
uh, and and choose to leave. And that's not even players who might be unhappy with playing time and transfer. So the 16 scholarships for next year is not a concern for me at all. It generally works its way out, and I don't uh, I don't try to predict because there are so many so many different factors that can play into a, a young man deciding to stay or deciding uh, to to go to to. The different routes. I, I I personally choose just to say it, you know it could be anyone on the roster. Yeah, I I think it's it's I completely agree. I mean, guys transfer, guys move um, along, um, and and those things again, uh, they they really just work themselves out over time. They almost always do. And let's be real, you know this this staff didn't recruit some of those guys, so they're not going to fit into what this staff system is and all of that they're going to decide to leave or, or move on and and some of these guys may just decide they've been in college for so long they want to go to the next step or whether it's professional basketball or, or move on with their lives so uh yeah I, I just think these things work themselves out and and they will yeah i think the the two things i would i would say in addition to that you know one you know the whole ex- notion of the the extra year that everybody got from um you know from covid i I would imagine the staff is having some of those conversations with the guys who've been in the program for a while saying, Hey, what is your intention? Not for the purpose of, of telling somebody they got to leave, but just to kind of understand where guys' mindsets are at. And I think, you know, some guys, that's a, some of us might look back now and be like, Hey, it'd be amazing to be in college for, you know, five or six years uh, and, and kind of harken back and look at that, that time in our lives. But I think some of these guys may be ready given just kind of the, the odd, uh, odd times that they've experienced uh, college may be ready to move on. And uh, the other thing is, you know, we talked uh, before about we really like the depth on this team, but, you know, somebody and or multiple somebodies are not going to get the playing time that they want. Um, that's just inevitable. Woodson in no college coach is going to run a rotation where they're playing all 13 guys on scholarship as it is, and there will inevitably um, – be people in that scenario. Some may be satisfied with that or want to work their way up. Some may not be uh, with their role and and some of that. So I think the depth is a good thing in in some regards, as we talked about, really wanting to have that where we've, you know, how many times have we talked before the last couple of years, injuries hit, and it's like, do you have enough guys to really have a, have a competitive five-on-five practice? I don't think that's an issue this year's team is going to have, but you're going to have people that are going to be you know, lower in the pecking order that aren't playing as much as they want and may want to pursue opportunities other places. So I think that just contributes to what you guys said in terms of things working themselves out. Walt Keating asks, and we'll come right back to you, Andy, first. Uh, given the first five months of the Woodson era, how do you feel about the direction of the program versus when he was first hired? What's the thing that you've been most impressed with by the staff? Walt thinks that it is the stark contrast in availability and openness in, in media availabilities and interviews uh, that, of the staff uh, compared to the previous. Uh, your thoughts on, on where uh, IU is now as opposed to five months ago, and um, what have you been most impressed with uh, with the coaching staff? I, I think things have gone – I don't know. I'm sure you always find things that you'd say could have gone smoother, but I, I would – feel like in general things have gone about as smooth as you can expect uh you didn't have you had some roster turnover which was inevitable i think in that scenario but given the number of guys who put their name in the portal the number of guys and the number of key guys who came back uh, I, I think that has gone about as well as you could expect uh you've had woodson get his feet wet on the recruiting trail and have some uh success there whether that be with tamar bates or jalen hood Shafino. 
uh, as we've as we've talked about, and that's really pretty early on. That's that's being able to get guys without having actually seen a Mike Woodson coach team play basketball, <laughs> other than a couple games in the in the Bahamas. So I think those are are really positive signs because that was one of the big questions was whether you know how he'd fit into the recruiting world and is that something he was going to want to do based on age, background, all that stuff. Uh, so I think those questions have been answered pretty well. I think what you you know a little bit about oh, from the Bahamas games is is what kind of defensive style you can expect from the team. I think we know a little bit less uh, offensively from those games just based on his comments before and what they'd really put in. So I think things have gone r- really well in that regard. And I think the staff, uh, and Ryan mentioned Kenya Hunter uh, earlier, I think, you know, he he's a guy who deserves a lot of credit for that, both from a recruiting standpoint, but also from, you know, he and Mike Roberts were the guys who were put in those, I forget what they call them, but kind of interim roles to, you know, stay connected with the players during that time period. And, and that, I think you really have seen, uh, there wasn't obviously momentum as you ended uh, the last season, but I think you saw, you know, he's a guy that's been able to bring some continuity uh, and a guy that, that that players really seem to like, recruits really seem to like. So I think that's been uh, really important as other guys have kind of come in around him, but he's at least been a, a link from the, the past to the present, if you want to think of it that way. Ryan, your thoughts on the program? Has it changed uh, since Woodson was hired? And, and, and what are you most impressed with? Yeah, I, I think I've been most impressed with um, how they sort of hit the ground running. And I think that, you know, people like Thad Mata have a lot to do with that, just kind of directing them the right way. I think the most impressive thing so far has been retaining all of his players. And, and Andy mentioned that. I think retaining all of the key players, except for Armand Franklin, really brought everybody back and getting Trace Jackson Davis to come back again, most impressive thing that I, that I've seen so far. And then, yeah, they've had some wins on the recruiting trail. They've had some losses, but they've had some wins on the recruiting trail. And I think just uh, going to the Bahamas and having a successful trip, I think the idea to do that was a huge win for Indiana, uh, especially given, you know, the need to acclimate so many players and to a new system and, and to each other. Uh, and then, you know, coming out and winning games and starting some positive momentum. I mean, there have been positive momentum throughout the offseason, but that was maybe the um, – that may have been the the most important thing was just getting, you know, some actual wins on the court to sort of say, hey, no, we're, we're developing this. And, and, and obviously, I think in the grand scheme of things, the most important thing is the players seem to be really enjoying themselves, which is a, a departure from the past, safe to say. I, I would say, you know, we've, we've, we've hit this over and over again that uh, a lot of people had some, you know, uh, optimism, but it was guarded uh, when, when yeah. Woodson was first hired. And so the change from that is that, boy, a lot of, a lot of positive momentums. A, a couple blips you hear about with this recruit or that recruit, and, and that's going to happen when, when you have a new coaching staff, and especially someone transitioning from the NBA. In nothing, nothing big has – you know, blown up yet. And that's good. You know, you're going to have some losses down the road. You're going to have some, some issues, but the, the most impressive thing, Walt, I, I will agree with you. I, I like the fact that this staff seems to be open, uh, more open. There's a push from Indiana to, to be more open and share things. I, I think the, the most impressive thing is just the influx of talent um, in, in getting these transfers in. And now with, with the recruits, it just seems like uh, we're getting closers, uh, potential closers, toughness, uh, uh, guys that um, I, I just thought the roster uh, wasn't as strong as it, as it could be. 
uh, in the last few years, and I think that the rosters and now and going forward are better. That's what I'm most impressed with. So I'll take this next one real quick. David uh, Spoonmore says, is Coach Woody doing any routines with Cliff to keep him or get him in good health? Uh, coaches need to be concerned about their health. I'll take that from uh, personal experience. Uh, usually in the season when time gets to be uh, very limited for good, solid eating and exercise. So let's all hope that uh, Coach Woodson is uh, c- conversing with uh, Cliff Marshall on, on a routine to keep him uh, healthy uh, during during the season. And then finally, um, we uh, we have Jeff Marlowe, Coach Marlowe, um, says, now that the team is back from the Bahamas, and, and I will admit to having seen very little video of the game, but what areas uh, does the panel think – that they will need to get better on and focus on once fall practice begins. Uh, we'll th- go to you first, uh, Ryan, then Andy. Uh, w- w- from what we've heard or seen, what do you think Indiana uh, needs to do uh, before November 9th? Shooting. They got to knock down shots. They still didn't do it. In the, I mean, they, everyone said they were more willing to shoot. There was better spacing, all that. But you got to knock down those shots. Not a big deal. They were in a ballroom in the Bahamas in August. It's not, you know, surprising. But if you're going by that game tape, they got to knock down shots. They had open looks, didn't hit them. It looked better than last year, but it didn't look solved. And so, and these are, you know, a lot of different players. It's not, you know, all the same guys. But and Miller Cop didn't play for for most of one of the games. But you got to knock down shots for this offense to work to spread the floor. All of that, you got to knock down shots. So that's what I'll go with. Yeah, I, I lean the same way. I think some of the shooting concerns are a little bit overblown, just given the background. I mean, when they show shots of some of these places, I, I remember the first some of the first times I started holding some of these preseason tournaments in places like this, uh, in these ballrooms or whatever, and they would pan back and show it. It just seemed like such a weird setting, and you can yeah, even the, kind of tell the, the ceiling at, is really the shooting, low. Yeah. yeah, the shooting background is like is there's really nothing. Um, so I, I I will hopefully not overly optimistically attribute a little bit of the shooting that, but I think more generally, I think installing the offensive concepts that they want to run uh, Woodson said that explicitly before they left that they had focused predominantly on defense. They put in a couple things offensively, uh, but really want to establish that, uh, you know, that culture of defense, which was clearly just to get into coaches, good graces. But uh, I, I think, you know, that will continue to be a focus. It's not like, defense will not continue to be a major part of what they do. But I think just being able to uh, get a better idea of what they want to run offensively and just the reps to be able to, to, to do this. It's we we're all really excited about the new guys, but the reality is that in game situations, you know, sure they're playing, you know, uh, open gyms, if you will, and, and doing some of those kinds of things, but really getting into game situation, getting that continuity and familiarity with, one another is going to be big to, to build up so that it's a little bit less of thinking, is the guy going to be here? Is the guy going to be there? And, and kind of knowing and, and reacting to what one another will do. So I think that will just come with time and just something that based on the amount of time that the coaches have had to work with them, they wouldn't have had a great opportunity to do. But I think as you look forward to the season, that will really help because that feels like the part of the, the, the games in the Bahamas that was lagging behind. But based on what they said the focus had been, it, you know, you, you get what you emphasize, that kind of thing. I think you got what you emphasize defensively, and uh, now it's going to bring the offense up to speed. You know, I, I did get to see the games, uh, the game film, and, and there's two things, uh, Coach Marlowe and, and everyone, that I, that I think 
it's just execution on both ends. The scheme seems really good and a little bit different on the defensive end uh, from where helping everything. And the scheme of downhill and, and fast break, I really think, is a lot different and people will really like when you start seeing them play. But on the, on the defensive end, I, I struggled with really trying to figure out their, their ball screen defense. And, and I think sometimes they weren't sure, and that might be new, and that might be why Coach was starting with defense. It seemed like they still got some areas to really work on on their ball screen defense. Um, they were aggressive. Uh, they, they X'd out on the backside when, when they overhelped off, off that. Um, but it just seemed a little bit tentative on the players. They got to get better in, in executing that. Uh, and, and one area um, on offense is shot selection. I, I think their aggressiveness, you have to get guys to be aggressive first. And then you teach them the one, you know, hey, there was, there's one more out on the wing there instead of maybe throwing that up over the 6'11 guy uh, and, and missing. Uh, the shooting percentage, as Ryan said, was not good. Uh, and, and I do think they missed some open shots because of the ballroom and all of that. But I also think that there was maybe that one extra pass could have been made a, a few times uh, in, in some of their uh, offense. So those are the two pieces. But overall, it's just execution. I think the scheme and the attitude of the players is really good. It's now fine-tuning exactly their defensive scheme, putting in more of their offensive scheme. Uh, and that's uh, what a lot of teams will, will work on anyway. But um, those were two things that I saw on film a little more specifically. So That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week or sooner if news breaks. Until then, take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right. Thanks, guys. Good show. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Thanks, Coach. My audio stayed it, on today. It, uh, yeah. Or has it started raining there yet, whatever. Andy? Has it what? Uh, has it rained there yet? I, no. Not, well, I mean, it did earlier, but it didn't. It didn't do anything. It's, it's just as miserable after the rain as it was before. Yeah. It, so. We got a downpour yesterday, and the grass is still brown, and the ground is hard, and it just evaporated, I think, as it hit the ground. Yeah. It's been so exactly. hot. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. Oh, well. Well, Andy, any concerts coming up for you and the missus? Uh, we have gotten... We've gotten tickets for my daughter to see Thomas Rhett. She really likes him. So that's supposed to be, well, it was supposed to be last summer is when it was supposed to be. Uh, I, the, the new date, I feel like, is sometime in September, but I, d I don't remember exactly what it is at this point. We're on a, we're on a week-to-week, well, <laughs> more like a day-to-day -day basis as the uh, getting everybody back to school and in the uh, in the swing of things there. So And Hannah Soccer, on the, is she, yeah. they, they went in in the heat or – they played. Uh, they only played one game. The other team uh, postponed the game this week because it was going to be at five o'clock and was going to be hot. And then they play again on Saturday. So right, still, good. still one zero in in legit games. So nice. see if they can keep it going. She knows a bunch of knows a bunch of girls she's played club with on the other team that they play on Saturday. So that'll be interesting. 
Nice. Ryan, well, what's, always in, what's in store for fun. you uh, on the, the fun side? Uh, well, Madeline is going to a music festival this weekend. Uh, so I'm on my own. My parents just left for the East Coast. So I'm on my own for dinner, which is a shame because I love just going. When she's out of town or she's busy, I just love going, hey, mom. Yeah. Cook me something. You know. Uh, exactly. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be odd. Uh, but um, yeah, basically just counting down. We're going to Italy uh, September 11th through the nice. 26th. So uh, just count down to that, really. Just work and try and get everything done before I, before I shove off, um, which will be a blast i'm really excited for that we were supposed to we've had to postpone that trip twice because of covid right. it was originally supposed to be in uh it was originally supposed to be in um may was was the uh sort of our last we were like dead set okay we're going in may and then obviously everything spiked again there and so uh, yeah it's it's been a long winding road to get to this trip because madeline's never been there uh i obviously used to go about once a year but that's been postponed for a few years obviously given everything that's going on, but, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, you'll see a ton of pictures from it. So, uh, I'll make you really jealous. So be sure to follow. Yeah. All right, everybody. Coach, what about you? You're transitioning from a concert season into, into tailgating. I got, uh, Zach Brown. There's left on the, on the dock. Zach Brown tomorrow night. Um, Amy and I are going to Zach Brown and then, uh, we go to Iowa and, um, we're going to meet up Kathy Amos and her husband uh, and meet for the first time. We're going to go out to dinner Friday night, and there's some other people. I think uh, Galen is going to be out there, and uh, a Hoosier Huddle group is going to be out there. Uh, so we're we're looking forward to that. And I've gotten some messages from Assembly Call listeners that are going, so hopefully meet some new people. And then, yeah, then it's uh, a few weekends in a row down in Bloomington with the with the old tailgate. So looking I forward to it. So bad. No, it, it's not. It, it does. It, you know, you go shopping on Thursday and Friday night, and then you load up the van, and you go down to Bloomington, you know, unload the van, and you got Sunday. I'm so old, <laughs> it takes all all of Sunday just to recover and, and do it again. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun, but, man, there is a lot. When the season's over, there's a big, whew, I made it. So, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But it's it's good time. So, all right, everybody, I got to get this uh, file sent off. Um Enjoy it. Thanks, Chat Mob. Thanks for watching. Be safe. Have a great week. And we'll see you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. See you. Most pancake syrups contain artificial flavors, artificial colors, and high fructose corn syrup. But there's an all natural option free of additives in the same aisle. Real maple syrup from Canada is made from one ingredient. So turn the bottle and check the label. Is your syrup real maple? 100% pure maple, straight from Mother Nature herself. One ingredient, one source, one flavor. PureMapleFromCanada.com At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing. 
amazing in here. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.